Hi, and welcome to the Arana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Arana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi everyone, uh, great to be with you this morning here at Arana Hills. My name is Brent Sweeney and I am good friends and familiar with a whole bunch of you who worship here. So it's my privilege to be back again and uh, preaching this morning. So thank you to Clinton and the team for the invitation and to all of you for tuning in wherever you are uh, watching this morning. I hope you've had a really blessed time of worship and just uh, being in God's presence with your family and your friends as we uh, gather this Sunday morning. As you know, we're in the middle of a a series about the prayers uh, that Jesus prayed. And this morning we're uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays that famous prayer that I'm sure you know, uh, where he he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He prays just before he goes through his trial and crucifixion. And so we're going to look at that today. And what better way to kick it off than for me just to read it uh, straight to you. So you can turn if you like to Mark's Gospel. I'm reading the version in Mark's Gospel, but you'll find it in uh, the other Gospel accounts as well. But I'm in Mark chapter 14 and reading from um, verse 32. They came to a place called Gethsemane. Stay here, said Jesus to the disciples, while I pray. So he took Peter, James and John with him and became quite overcome and deeply distressed. My soul is disturbed within me, he said, right to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. So he went a few yards further, fell on the ground and prayed that, if possible, the moment might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I want, what you want. And he returned and found them sleeping. Are you asleep, Simon? He said to Peter. Couldn't you keep watch for a single hour? Watch and pray so that you won't come into the time of trouble. The spirit is eager, but the body is weak. Once more he went off and prayed, saying the same words. And once again, when he returned, he found them asleep because their eyes were very heavy. They had no words to answer him. But the third time he came and he said to them, All right. Sleep as much as you like now. It's done. The time has come. That's a a really heavy prayer in some ways. It's not the kind of prayer that you pray around the kitchen table before you're about to have a meal. There's a a weight to it, a a consequence to it. There's a a real uh, sense of, of power in it. And... Uh, today, I just want to offer you a few reflections on this prayer. If, if we're truly going to pray, as Jesus taught us to do in the Lord's Prayer that we've already looked at, if, if we're truly going to pray, Father, your will be done. May, may your will on earth be done as it's done in heaven. May, may your will be done in my life. Not so much what I want, but what you want. If we're really going to pray that prayer as powerful and as weighty as it is, I've got a few reflections this morning that I think um, will help you as, um, as you pray that, as you want to pursue all that God has in every part of your life. So let me offer those to you, just three quick uh, reflections and um, I pray that they'll be a blessing to you. So the first thing I notice um, about Jesus in, in this prayer as he comes to pray is that 
that he has a really strong sense that that is part of of a much bigger plan that God's got going on. Almost as if he's an actor in a play that's been going on for centuries and he's playing his part but it's not that it's just this moment that he's in. A long time before this moment, Jesus had given himself completely over to what God was up to. He had thrown himself completely in to the will of the Father. And sometimes I think when it comes to our prayer, we we find ourselves praying, uh, God, what is it you want for me? What what is it you want for my life? What should I I do? What, What are you calling me to? You know, where am I going? And, and we're praying um, this kind of a prayer that says, God, I just, I just want to do your, your will. I just, wanna, I just want to be where you want me to be. And they're all good prayers to pray. But praying that God's will be done is not a, a prayer asking God to help you make a decision about your life and what you're up to. It's actually a prayer that says, God, I want to throw myself into what you're doing, into your plan. Earlier this year, I actually changed jobs. Um, for five years, I was actually working for Churches of Christ in their state office in a, in a mission role, and I loved it. Loved the people, believed totally in what we were doing, and it was a fantastic job, and I, I miss it in some ways. But uh, a couple of months ago, I, I moved jobs. I transitioned, and now I'm working for an organisation called Outback Futures, And that's a Christian not-for-profit that does community and and mental health work in remote and rural Queensland. And so we take teams of counsellors and uh, psychologists and OTs and others out into the the remote rural properties uh, in in Queensland and and, uh, we do great work. But I had a big decision to make when when I was shifting from Churches of Christ because I loved it and I believed that we're making a difference and all of that. And then it's like, well, okay, God, how how do I move from there to somewhere else? And so, of course, I prayed and retreated about that. I, I spoke to people who I trusted and who could give me some wisdom on all of that. But in the end, for me, it came down to quite a, a simple idea. And the idea was this, that God uh, was at work through what Outback Futures were doing, that it was a kingdom work. His kingdom was coming through what they were doing. Uh, and and I was simply throwing myself into another part of God's work. You know, it's in the bush, which I love, which was a bonus. It was a great um, step of development for my leadership and there's some great leadership opportunities that were great. But really, I was just going, well, well, is this God, is this your will for me? Well, of course it is. Of course it is because it's part of what God is already doing and, and I can easily find myself thrown into that in a whole lot of different contexts. And if you want to pray this prayer Father, not what I want, but what you want. If you want to pray, Father, your will be done in my life. May your will come in the way I'm living. Then you need to get the big picture of what God's up to. There's a sense that he has a plan. And you pick it up in scripture all the time. There's a sense that God has a plan, that he has a will for how we are to live and what we are to do. And so rather than asking God, is this the right decision for me? How about going, God, I'm going to throw myself into what you've already revealed that you want to have happen in and through this world and in and through my life. If you go to the very first pages of scripture, you can see God with Adam and Eve and he commissions them and says, I want you 
to be my representatives into this creation, to steward it, to nurture it and to lead it. If you jump into the gospel in, in Matthew, Mark or Luke and, and, you, and you read it, time and time again we see God coming in to bring life, to bring hope, to restore people, to bring justice where it, whether people are marginalised and left out, to bring, to bring good news to the poor and we see Jesus healing and lifting up those who are poor. It's very clear that God wants to bring life and hope and restoration to the lives of those people who don't have it. If you go to the end of Matthew and Jesus says, go and, go and make disciples in my name. Go, go and do that. And so when we read through scripture time and time again, we're taken to this, this place where God has a plan. He has a will for his world and for his people. And rather than say, oh, what should I do? How about we go, God, I'm just throwing myself into what you're already doing and we can do it with great confidence. I know, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, the idea of, of theatre sports. Uh, they were, I mean, I first found these out 20 or 30 years ago. I don't even know if they do theatre sports. They're like in, in acting circles and they have all these different theatre games that they play. And one of them is called Space Jump. And in Space Jump, uh, it starts off with two actors acting out a scene. And they're improvising and they're, they're just making up a story and acting out a scene, just two of them. And at any point... The director will, will call space jump like that and the scene freezes. And, and when it freezes, a, a third party has to jump in. Another actor or actress jumps in and has to completely make up a new scene. So they look at this scene and then they have to interpret it, improvise and start acting into an entire new scene. And they'll go along like this, making up their own story until the director goes space jump and they all freeze. And then someone else will jump in and um, then they make up another story again. It's as if, as if there's no real plot or theme or overarching narrative to what's going on. It's just completely made up and people are reacting to what they see in front of them. And if we live our Christian life as if it's space jump, where we're just jumping into a moment and we kind of get stuck there and we go, oh, I wonder, God, what, what do you want me to do here? Well, it's not a bad question. But if you, want, if you really want to pray, Father, your will be done in my life, you can't live as a space jump kind of Christian. You've got to get your eyes up and look at what God is already doing and figure out how do you throw yourself into that. And so when Jesus comes to the garden, when he comes to this prayer, Father, your will be done, there is a real sense that he understands where God is going with all of this. He understands the plot. He understands that he is an actor in a story that, that is working its way out and he's completely given himself to it. Okay, that's the first observation that I want to make. The second one um, is, is that Jesus comes and he prays. And uh, if you've got your scripture there, you can go back to verse 36, if you like. And he says these words. He says, Father, Abba, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I want, but what you want. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. And so even though Jesus, uh, I think by now, if you read, his, read the story, he, he absolutely knows where all this is heading. Even, even though he knows that, here at this point, he asks for a, a reprieve. God, you can, can you stop this? 
You know, he knows where the story is going to end up. I mean, hours earlier, he's saying to his disciples, you guys can't drink the cup that I drink of. You don't know where I'm going. You can't come with me. He, he prophesied and told stories about the temple being destroyed and being rebuilt in three days. He, he had 100% idea of, of this, this idea that all of history was really rushing towards this point of his, of his death. and his, and his, He absolutely knew that. There was a sense that he was called to it, that he was that, that was, that was it. And yet in this prayer, he goes, Father, can, can you find another way? Can you find another way? The story that immediately comes to my mind is uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac. You probably know that story. You may from uh, the Old Testament scripture. But in, in that story, uh, God promises Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. And of course, he and his wife, Sarah, get deep into their old age and they're still without child. And miraculously, they have Isaac in their old age and Isaac grows up. And then uh, God strangely uh, says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And so Abraham, out of obedience, takes Isaac and and they climb up the mountain and they build the altar and they bind Isaac onto the altar and he's lying there. And Abraham raises the knife uh, to sacrifice his own son. And you can imagine the power of that moment because, you know, the, the whole promise that God had made Abraham about being a father of many nations was on the line right at that point. And yet in obedience, Abraham is ready to sacrifice his son. And then God calls out and stops and they look over and there's a ram caught in the in the thicket and they take the animal and they sacrifice the animal instead of Isaac and they worship together. And in that moment, of course, the whole idea is that God has found another way. And here we have, here we have Jesus in, you know, right on the precipice of being arrested, of being trialled and of being killed. And as we read in the story, he, he's, he's completely wrestling with the enormity of this. There's drops of blood He's, he's on the ground, his disciples can't stay awake, he's, he's distressed, he's wrestling with the angel about how he, and the angel comes to comfort. It's like it's all on the line and he's going, he's going, Father, is there another way? In your creativity, in all of your power and all of your greatness, is there another way that we can get this done without me going through what I have to go through? For me, it's a... It's a bit of a strange companion prayer to the, to the not my will but yours being done. They're kind of they're odd bedfellows. I'll do whatever you want, Father. But if you can find another way, I really don't want to have to do this. When, um, when church finishes this morning and the video is finished, I'll give you permission to go onto Facebook. And go onto Facebook, and in Facebook, you can search for uh, strange animal friends. So, right, if you go onto Facebook, or maybe if you've got a phone now while you're watching on the computer or something, pick up your phone, go to Facebook, and just search for strange animal friends. And you'll get these video comes up, videos come up. There's a few of them. And in these videos, you'll see just sort of weird animal friendships that somehow strike up. You'll see a skunk with a deer or, you know, um, a, a cat with a monkey or a dog and an ape or there's even one with a dog and a frog hopping along. And there's all these just weird combinations of animals that have strangely become friends that would normally not hang out together or maybe even normally kill each other. And they're just sort of hanging out 
as friends, it's quite cute and even a bit funny at times. So you can do that um, a bit later on. They're just really strange friends. Well, these prayers that Jesus is saying here are a bit like that. For me, they're kind of they're strange prayer companions. Father, your will be done. But actually, if there's a way that we can completely change that so I don't have to go through with it, I would like you to find a way. And if you want to pray this prayer, if you want to be a a person who can pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer and is exampling here in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you want to pray that, God, your will be done in my life, then you're going to have to learn how to pray both of those prayers together. You're going to have to pray not what I want but what you want. But then when the struggle comes, when the challenge comes, when the extreme adversity comes, when it's really on the line and you're going, I don't know if I can actually do this, you're going to need its strange companion, which is actually, Father, I'm up for it, but if you can find another way. And that's really the only way that I think you can do that. (laughs) Otherwise, it becomes too hard. It was too hard for Jesus. He was wanting a way out. Okay, so that's the second observation, that that the prayer, your will be done in my life, is actually got a companion prayer, um, which is, if you can give me a reprieve, I would really like that, Father. They belong together. Okay, quickly, let me finish with the third and and final observation. It comes from verse 41. Uh, We're in Mark 14, remember, and in verse 41, Jesus comes back to his friends, to his disciples who had been sleeping. He comes back a third time. And, of course, he's been telling them to pray, not for him, but to pray for themselves, that they don't get caught up in this whole thing that he's about to get caught up in. So he says, pray for yourself, but keep watch. So there's kind of a sense that whilst Jesus wasn't asking for their prayer, he kind of needed them. And they let him down. Can't you, couldn't even stay awake for an hour and then couldn't even stay awake for another hour. Anyway, the third time he comes back and he says these words. All right. Sleep as much as you like now. Have a good rest. The job is done. The time has come. It's, um, it's an interesting little moment at the end of this whole scene in my mind. It's just a, a funny little moment where Jesus says, actually, just have a good sleep now. And the reason you can is because it's done. It, it's settled. It's it's finished. It's, there's a sense in which um, this, is, this is complete now, that, that, that there's been a victory that Jesus has won in this moment of prayer. And the thing about, um, the thing about this prayer, your will be done in my life, not what I want but what you want, is that it's actually a prayer of preparation. The hard work to actually stick with what God wants you to do is not done in the moment. It's actually done on your knees ahead of time. And so there's no doubt that Jesus was going to face an an enormously difficult period coming up. He was going to be arrested. We know the story. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be mistreated. He's going to be crucified. It's going to be painful. It's going to be awful. You know, the world has turned into turmoil at that point. This is going to be hard. But yet there's there's almost a lightness that Jesus walks into at this moment. He says, well, you know what? It's done. It's done. It's settled. I'm ready. I've I've done the preparation that I need to to do. And now let's move it on. And obviously 
Judas comes, he gets arrested, and we know the whole thing plays out. If you want to be able to pray, not my will, but yours be done, Father, in, my, in, in your life. If you want to be able to pray that, then you need to learn to see that prayer as a prayer of preparation. It's not for the moment. If you wait for the moment of extreme challenge and extreme difficulty in your walk following God, then chances are you'll get knocked off centre. You won't make it through. Because the real work, the real preparation happens on the knees, in the garden, before you get there. I'm a, I'm a huge cricket fan. Um, I still play cricket, not very well. Uh, that won't surprise you. Um, in fact, I never really ever played it very well, but it's even getting worse now as I get older. But my two boys play cricket, and they're actually quite good. And so I really enjoy um, watching them. And I've hung out with them a lot as they've learnt how to play over the last few years and they've been coaching and done coaching and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and they both, um, they're both batsmen. So they stand at 22 yards down the pitch from um, the fast bowlers who are running in and trying to, um, trying to get them out, trying to knock their head off, trying to hurt them with this little 156-gram rock-hard leather ball. Now, as a batsman, the thing is, uh, you've got a split second to actually do your thing. If you're facing the really quick bowlers, you've got less than half a second from when it leaves the bowler's hand to when it actually arrives and you've got to play a shot. And the sports scientists, scientists tell us that um, a batsman will make a decision about what he's going to do within a metre of the ball leaving the bowler's hand. So the bowler comes in and bowls and then by the time the ball is that far out of the bowler's hand, the batsman has already decided what they're going to do. They've decided where the ball's going to bounce, how it's going to bounce, and the shot that they're going to play, and they've got that long. It's like, a, it's like an instant. And you watch a good batsman, and they're still, and they're ready, and they're calm, and the ball's getting thrown down at 130, 140 kilometres an hour. They've got 0.4 of a second to do something, and it looks like they've got all the time in the world. Why? How, how is that? Well, the answer is that they haven't got time to think. They just simply react. They see it and they react. But what they do do is hours and hours and hours of preparation. They'll be in the nets batting. There'll be a bowling machine throwing balls at them over and over again and they'll be preparing. There'll be people um, throwing balls at them and throwing and throwing and they'll be there hitting, 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 doing this for hours and hours, for years and years and years. So when that half a second comes for them to do their thing, They've prepared. They don't think about it. There is no time to think. You just react and play your shot. Well, this prayer that Jesus is teaching us to pray is actually a prayer of preparation, and it's a bit like that. If you wait till you get in the moment, <laughs> then it's too late. If you wait for that extreme moment where the challenge comes, when, when the adversity hits, when, when the call of God in your life to follow into a difficult circumstance comes really, really hard and you're wondering whether you can actually even do it, if you wait till you get into that moment, it's too late. The preparation is done on your knees, in the garden, well in advance. And so if you want to learn to pray, Father, not what I want, but what you want, your will be done. If you want to pray that, then you've got to see it as a prayer of preparation, not as a decision-making prayer in the moment. So there are my observations. I really want to say that I hope they help you and I hope they encourage you and, and that they, they help you to start praying this prayer where you learn to throw yourself into what God is up to, 
where you learn to companion the your will be done prayer with the, geez, Father, if there's another way, I'd like that. And where you learn to do it in a disciplined way in advance, preparing you for those challenging times that will inevitably come as you seek to follow Jesus. So I'm going to finish um, with a brief word of prayer and then we're going to flow into a time of worship together again. And I want to just invite you um, right where you are now just to pray with me. And you might want to just hold your hands up like this, just, just open like that. That's just a sign of saying, God, I'm open to what you want. I'm kind of, I'm listening to you. I'm here. I'm here for you. So hold your hands like that. And then I'll, I just want to pray. And it's a simple prayer. And it's the prayer that we've been talking about this morning. So let me pray. Father, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And I simply ask that in my life, your will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. And we pray this together in your name, Jesus, and for your sake. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos, and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.